Welcome back to Gentlemen Prefer Bonds. I'm Will Daniel. And I'm Will Schlick. And I'm Max Wilcox. And no good speed, this is not a training exercise. Tonight we're talking about The Rock, Michael Bay's 1996 action blockbuster uh, starring Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, and of course, Sean Connery as John Mason, uh, ex-Secret Service, uh, which ties this in uh, very closely to our uh, usual subject matter of James Bond. Uh, this movie came out June 7th, 1996, made $334 uh, million on a budget of about uh, 75. Um, I think it's Connery's biggest hit uh, after um, Indiana Jones, probably. Um, I saw this at a sleepover when I was 9 or 10. The guy's bubbling face really freaked me out, but loved the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> How about you guys? Yeah, similar. I think I saw it. This came out probably, you know, a year or two before I was really going to movies more consistently. And I think I saw it just on TV when I was a kid. You know, it was one of those movies I feel like it played on TNT a lot after, you know, a couple years after it came out. Classic sort of like Saturday movie, Sunday movie. Yeah, this was a big like TMT, uh, TNT or like, uh, was it TBS, like Superstation? Yeah, like all, before all they, before they rebranded like, as yeah. like comedy, yeah, yeah all those, like USA. All those channels would show this a lot, just yeah. terribly uh, censored to mm-hmm. take all the F words out. Yeah, I've Googled it here, and it seems to me that this movie is actually a very tall man um, who yeah. <laughs> seems to be bald, uh, very muscular. Um, he does look a combination of threatening and charming, which is hard to pull off. Um, I don't yeah, think movie... he's been produced by Michael Bay or directed by Michael Bay in any way, seeing how as he's been a success his entire career, uh, this, <laughs> this rock. That is um, where you're wrong, my friend. But uh, th- oh, yeah, at yeah. what point was The Rock a failure? No, 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 no it, directed by Michael Bay. Oh, no, I'm saying that The Rock uh, was not directed by Michael Bay. He's, in fact, a human being. Uh, no, he was directed, no, by, he was Michael directed by Michael Bay. Bay. And, and a little movie called Pain and Gain. <laughs> yeah. um, I, think, I, feel like Michael, I feel like Michael Bay showed up. I feel like Michael Bay was on set. I'm not, I'm okay. not sure that anyone... I've, I've seen parts of that movie. I'm not sure anyone directed it so much as it occurred around a script. Yeah, um, would be a sort of a, I think a, a strong way of saying of saying that. Um, okay. I watched The Rock on TV a lot as a kid, which means that you're right. I forgot that there was like swearing in it and stuff. And then I was watching <laughs> it earlier today, and I was like, "This is a spicy flick." Yeah, we uh, for perhaps the first time in, in podcast history, the the Wills uh, watched this together uh, last night. Uh, had a great time. I, I thought uh, t- most of today, I think I spent thinking about uh, what other pop songs, if they ever did a rock uh, sequel, Nicolas Cage could could reference before he kills someone. You know, say something like, it's you, you're the paperback writer, and then like push a bookshelf on someone, or yeah. you could fall into a printing press. You know, you could say, you're the tiny dancer, and then like squashes someone or make them tiny. It, he could probably do just a lot of rocket ones. There's plenty of probably other songs that have rocket <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the title. He wouldn't even have to stray very far. Yeah, is there a well, poison gas song? Our I mean, president gave a great one. Or not our he could one, literally he literally do poison. Yeah, <laughs> he could call someone Rocket Man. <laughs> he could call he, someone he, Rocket Man. Yeah, when he's struggling with uh, the the guy at the end, he he could say, uh, "Do you like the Britney Spears song Toxic?" and then. Mm put the the Ooh, green ball in his mouth this movie <laughs> has so many people like rewatching this movie there are oh, so yeah. many people in it that and like this happens a lot in in i think soldier movies 
uh, because like you do end up having to have a bunch of like nearly leading men if you're going to have a bunch of sort of like all American you know Lee Blorps. But like this 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 uh cast is stacked kind of it's, like oh, yeah. kind of crazily when you think about how much uh, uh content all these actors produced between like 95 and like 2015 it's kind of crazy it's it's insanely stacked that actually surprised me too last night like i hadn't watched it in a while i think i probably have watched it in the last 10 years i would say um but only once or something, and I always forget how many people are in this movie. Like, I, I just forget the Tony Todd's in this movie. Yeah. Like, Bokeem Woodbine's in it. You know, like, crazy big names. Yeah, and, Claire like, Forlani Mike, is just his daughter. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's just like, in a scene. Like... Well, that, that was, this was right before Claire Forlani, like, almost happened, and then yeah. sort of didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but... like, like a, you know, a couple years before Meet Joe Black. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, uh, um, and Mystery Men, thank you. Oh, Mystery Men, yeah. <laughs> Art, um, yeah. Um, uh, the thing I will always remember her for, the, um, the one of my all-time favorite movies, Mystery Men. Who was she in Mystery Men? She's the girlfriend. She's the, or she's the girl that, um, uh, 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 what's his, uh, face wants to get with. That's an incredibly unhelpful thing that I've just said, <laughs> and I apologize profusely. This is supposed to be a place where we have information. Ben Stiller's character, uh, Furious, um, aka uh, Demon Dark Dirk, Dark Phoenix Dirk, um, he has a thing for his waitress, um, who is uh, who is uh, Claire Forlani. Uh, wow. You need to rewatch that movie if you are not remembering this. Like, like that I is dev- that is his main plot point is that he like changes for her. I definitely need to rewatch that movie. I don't oh. remember it at all. I was getting her confused with the girl that throws the bowling ball, but I think that's what. Uh, what? That's yeah. one one. That's Janine Garofalo. You yes, monster. that's true. <laughs> they, what? They similar you have to rewatch that movie. You have to rewatch that movie. Oh, dude, that movie is is fantastic. Incredibly oh, underrated it. I- movie. I loved it as a kid. I just haven't seen it in probably 15 years. Oh, so. shit. That shit holds up. Um, we could go back to The Rock now. I apologize. But, like, <laughs> but like the, I, the, I, that movie, if you want to talk about casts, Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, Hank Azaria, uh, Paul Rubens, Greg Kinnear, Jeffrey Rush, Eddie Izzard, Artie fucking Lang. That movie's insane. Go rewatch that movie. Yeah. Casanova Frankenstein. It's Casanova Frankenstein. Um, we've always been each other's biggest nemesis. It's nemesis. Uh, the movie's fucking perfect. Anyway, we're talking about The Rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, he- heck of a opening title sequence on The the Rock. Really sets you up for uh, just just the whole uh, Ed Harris character. And you were saying last night how, in, in a way, he's kind of the main character. And you could definitely see a different kind of movie um, you, you could make a darker movie where it's it's like about that character and how he goes wrong, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the thing having not watched in a while and, and I think surprised me like every time I watch it. It's really, it, it is kind of his movie. Like he is the guy we see in the opening. Like everyone else it feels like is sort of reacting to him at the whole movie and like his goal and his ambitions. And even in the end when he turns out to not be like, I don't think he's ever really painted as a truly, truly awful, terrible guy. But even in the end, when he's sort of like, yeah, I was just bluffing the whole time, you know, like, yeah. I think they're going to do this. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they do their absolute best to tell you from the out, from the outset that, like, he is not a bad dude. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing with every Michael Bay movie is he clearly has so much more respect for the military than the government because yeah. <laughs> those guys are are all tools and we hate you know Womack and Forsyth kind of comes around and you know obviously uh, gets it that he's letting Connery go at, at the end yeah. but you know F- Philip Baker Hall and and uh, what's his name from uh, West Wing uh, well Womack in, in the movie yeah, Womack. <laughs> a lot of sl- slippery characters in there yeah um, and it just comes down to there being like a couple of real psychos and the, the you know, quote unquote bad Marines at the end. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, really unsurprising there <laughs> when they introduce when they introduce two younger wild cards. And he's like, and yeah. he's like, this is my brother. This is my brother's. Uh, this is my my brother's brother. Uh, and this is two people I don't fucking know. So let's hope that this goes really well. Yeah, and Ed Harris says, I, I haven't worked with you gentlemen before, but loved you in Candyman. Uh, freaked me yeah. out. <laughs> Very spooky. The whole, your eyes are kind of like looking one place, but looking another place. Big fan. Yeah, please don't do the bee thing here. Uh, we're good. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, 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 gang. Talking about it real fast, John Spencer, I have I didn't know that I wanted to see uh, uh, Leo McGarry just drop the f-bomb and clearly hate <laughs> motherfuckers uh, yeah like because like my whole life like 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 he it, like i love the west wing i love uh, uh leo's probably like one of my favorite characters if not my favorite character and i forgot that just in this movie you just see like a man at the end of his rope and it's yeah, not yeah. and it's not related to the 81 hostages or the possible hundreds of thousands of dying people. It's just that he's like, God, I can't believe we have to let him fucking go. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate Sean Connery so much. Yeah, the yeah, real, there's the definitely real like for Womack is Sean Connery. The one. <laughs> he doesn't so even really awesome. care about the... Does not care. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a strong, like, Sean Connery fucked my wife in the 60s vibe yeah. like, <laughs> going on with, with that performance. He's so much more concerned about making sure he doesn't get out than saving anyone. It's kind of weird. At, the rest of it is just sort of a day at the office, but he's like, he's like, if this shit stack goes free, like, like I love, I love that he's like, if if he goes free, whoa! By the way, they just drop in just a very Michael Bay in fashion. That he's like, here's my cool movie. Uh, it's about the government and it's about uh, an action flick. Also, aliens are real. Anyway, back to Alcatraz. Like this movie's bonkers. This yeah, this might be my favorite movie that was like likely pitched as like it's Die Hard on blank or like it's Die Hard on Alcatraz. You know, because since since Die Hard, action movies that aren't like horror or sci-fi also or aren't doing the traditional you know bond indiana jones dirty harry guy on a mission where it's just like oh no look at this shit that accidentally just happened and here's these two fish out of water who can you know be the the best guys who happen to be there kind of yeah um Mm -hmm. it's i mean we we were saying last night i i think if you take out some of the corniest like michael bay touches this is like e- easily top five like 90s action movies i mean it, it still might be five or or ten but it's like it's very close to being like a great just almost perfect action movie yeah it's it's a pretty phenomenal script too like i didn't know that uh, you know like sorkin apparently wrote on it at one point uncredited oh. like tarantino yeah, did like it's... it's just a crazy good script and yeah it's in the hands of an, a better director than Bay, this could be like an all-time like if Mickey I have a this. I actually I have a I have a hot take. Are you ready for my hot take? Yeah, go for it. Uh, 
imagine this script and this exact uh you can even you can even do it in the same time period i was talking about doing it now because i always like to think about that but you can still do it in the exact same in in 96 um imagine that you have all the same ghostwriters but instead of all the michael bay bad jokes and instead of the michael bay direction where he's doing his best uh at certain points to steal john woo's thunder uh imagine that this is shane black directing and co-writing oh yeah i mean that that's good i, I don't know if he the, had he woo. directed anything the the I, lackluster I, I don't think he'd, response here people the no his, I, I, his directorial it, debut is his best movie yeah kiss kiss bang kiss, bang kiss, yes bang, bang. Oh yeah. So no, if it's, anything, it's you just I'm... get his his career earlier, and also he he wrote Lethal Weapon what uh, two three. Um, he was well, already yeah, I think, he, I wrote think one. he, he was already go, he was already ghostwriting on a bunch of other stuff. I'm just saying that like if yeah, this, Predator, yeah. If this had been his quote unquote debut, I bet this movie is fucking gangbusters. Also, he would he would obviously knock it out of the park now. Yeah, yeah. I mean this was that's obviously this was his heyday of writing when in terms of his writing career. I mean, this is after the success of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, like you could have asked, you could have definitely given this movie to him to direct and made a case for that. Like he would have been at like peak popularity in his first, the first phase of his career. I'd call 100%. it. Hundred percent. I think uh, I think Ridley Scott does a great job with this movie. Also, sure, um, and yeah. pro- probably would have taken this script in the mid '90s if he got it. Yeah, um, when he was trying to and- beat Tony Scott, <laughs> when he went through this weird phase. <laughs> well, and and. But the Shane Black thing, you know, very very little evidence in most Ridley Scott movies that Ridley Scott has a sense of humor, whereas Shane Black, that's obviously kind of his strong suit, is like yeah. lending humor and, and suspense and action. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm is... saying, is that, like, this movie, it it it's funny, and it almost wants to be funnier than it even is. Well, yeah, I think, I think it has just uh enough of the right kind of comedy with like connery and and cage and and the stuff that cage is is bringing to the table like that's that's plenty you don't you don't need the stuff with like the like black stereotype characters that michael Bay no. has to throw in like yeah seriously um, yeah you take some of that out uh, that's it, yeah it that's what I was, that's exactly why i was saying shane black is because his entire like once he actually started like being able to to direct stuff like nice guys and kiss kiss bang bang are two two movies that i think ride the line of legitimate laugh out loud comedy with emotional stakes like so fucking well like better than than almost anyone else i almost anyone else writing right now and cage and connery uh, already have that great kind of buddy chemistry and and energy to together that i think uh yeah would it would only be improved by a more of a uh human director yeah geez cage cage's energy and the <laughs> the wildness of him against the literal wall that is sean connery <laughs> yeah he's bonkers it's oh it's so great because connery connery is acting like he's in a bond movie in the 60s yeah. or something and and like cage is acting like all of us at home reacting to that where the scene where he comes in and they meet and he's like i'm with the, the federal bureau i'm stanley goodspeed and he says but of I'm, course you I'm are stanley like, oh, goodspeed. Uh, <laughs> yeah and he says connery says of course you are and cage is like uh, of course i am yeah of course i am <laughs> like, his reactions to the things connery say are so great in this movie yeah, that I think that's one of the reasons why Cage like kind of works in this is because he is sort of doing his like 
he's not a good action star and really never should have been an action star. He's like just so weird and odd and his timing's sort of like awkward and comedic. But like it works in this movie because they're going for it. Yeah, if it was just him against the the Marines, yeah. it, it, it wouldn't work. But I think the team of him and Connery works it, out well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Connery... If it was Jess Cage going, paper or plastic? Paper or plastic? (laughs) Yeah. Just Like, Connery's stoicism, though, is kind of needed to balance out Cage, I feel like, in this movie, or else it would just feel really silly. I think of the movies we've covered, this probably, like, this might tie with Austin Powers as just most quotable movie. um, That, I mean, I've I've seen both of those, like, a a whole lot, but just... uh, Whole, whole lot of quotes from from this one, and p- part of that was uh, Nick Cage coming to the table with like I think he swore a lot in the script, and they were like, uh, Cage was just like, no, my I don't think my character should swear swear. It I think works. he should be such a square. Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning, cut the chit chat a hole. <laughs> it like it again. He is so bonkers in this movie, but like it does. The way that he wants to play it, but is incapable of because he's a crazy person. Um, he wants to play it straight laced in a way that like makes sense. Like this should be like a bookish, like ner- this should be like like you know, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of like like what actor this is. Like what like like Matt Damon before D- Dustin Born Hoffman, Ultimate. maybe. Yeah, sure. Like you know, just like someone that that like you can imagine if they were on their last sort of uh, nerve that they go crazy. But but other than that, you're just like, wow, this guy would never snap in a million years. Um, and like, I, what, what what's kind of cool is that like Nicholas Cage doesn't read that way. He reads like a person that if you gave him his coffee order wrong, he might shoot you. But like, he's trying yeah. to play it as he's like, well, I'm the scientist guy that loves his girlfriend, and like, I a have chemical a chemical super freak actually. I, yeah, I have a dog at the end magically. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like he's going for nerdy government guy. Like that's the character he's going for in the in the most like totally different way the same character that chris cooper is playing in born identity i feel like that oh nerdy, hell just yes like, like you know red tape government guy with chris, the short chris sleeve, cooper and what did you say uh, in born identity like short oh. sleeve button down shirts you know what i mean like kind of like just bureaucrat but, but then he, he just, just not can't, well he can't yeah i know he can't help himself like like he just he can't help but but cage it up yeah like if i was working for him in that, like, in a laboratory, I'd be like, did he get too much exposure to the chemicals? Like, something's wrong with this guy. He's so odd. A bonker scene, by the way, because we go from, like, we, we, we go from, like, I get the establishment, and it's a very, it's a very 90s thing to be, like, like, you know, grab the audience by the hand and be like, this is Ed Harris. You like Ed Harris, don't you? And I'm like, yes, I do. I promise. <laughs> I'm like, great. Ed Harris is going to rob the government now. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yes, but he's not going to kill any of the soldiers except for that one that fell out the window. He's definitely dead. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here's. Yeah, they said using non-lethal force. I know. Max. It's so funny. So Any, I think anyway, he's okay. <laughs> anyway, here's Nick Cage in fucking, like, the glass room from Independence Day. With with a combination of, of like uh, uh, nerve gas and C four, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, that's right, Michael Bay directed this movie, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay, now yeah. I understand the baseline we're operating from. 
also we need to get in that room exploding cockroaches from the the chemical weapon uh yeah. and also the missing ingredient uh the nanny from jerry Maguire. let's put him in there let's just get him right in the mix <laughs> uh yeah the i think the ha- having the one guy get trapped in there um does uh set the stakes pretty well because it's just these green balls which look cool and then we see that guy's face melt and we're like oh okay, okay this is this is serious yeah um you recognize uh stuart wilson the the main bad guy of of zorro is is one of the the government suits who, who gives a lot of exposition in the the opening scenes no i i don't think about it fun fact i'm gonna this up yeah it looks kind of different um you know he's got some facial hair and in zorro but uh yeah he was having a little bad guy moment in the the 90s this zorro um he's the bad guy in, in lethal weapon 3 he's having a little moment having a little moan yeah, a little thing yeah he looks like a bad guy kind of yes yeah, so okay i mean this was like i think the first action movie that nicholas cage did right um he was you know drama comedy guy um want, kind of wanted to try everything um and uh yeah just signed up for for this was a big hit the next year you get face off and and con air in the same month which is quite something wait really i didn't know that yeah but both of those i think are are june of uh 97 holy which, shit uh, yeah if, if you were a fan of you know that classic mode of action movie great great summer to be alive yeah it's definitely a turning point in his career like this yeah. is, feels like he's yeah, it's definitely his first action movie, and it feels like he's going for something he hasn't gone for before, and that's also what makes the performance so weird. It's also crazy and awesome, because he, he basically, he wins uh, Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas, and then immediately <laughs> after that, does The Rock, Conair, and Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah, this is me now. <laughs> like, the, biggest, the, the biggest issue with him in this whole movie, though, still, is has got to be his hair. The <laughs> yeah. wispy... We, we were saying... It's crazy how good a wig Connery has in the movie, and that no one was like, "Hey, Nick, like, maybe what are we gonna do about yeah, this?" Maybe you have the same guy. Maybe the same guy does. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Okay. What if he just had the same silver wig? This <laughs> right up. The thing is, like Connery's piece is so good. Maybe that's what they spent. That was the entire that was budget. budget for that. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah was you, budget. you know, in the nineties, they only had a thousand bucks to spend yeah. on wigs, and they they, they went in, it all went into that wig. <laughs> yeah. It's a good wig. But it, like, yeah, you, you see him balding throughout the 90s, and, you know, I, I don't think he, he gave much of a, a shit. And then it's like, he just has bigger and bigger hair that doesn't even necessarily ha- change the hairline after that. Like, look at his hair in, like, Ghost Rider or something. It's just insane. Yeah. It's like, they, could they just put some gel in it, too? It's just, like, blowing around in the wind, and it's, like, these little tendrils floating around everywhere. He looks like he's... His hair is a, uh, you know, it, it reflects what's happening in the movie. It's it's about uh, people trying to hold on, and and they all of us are simply wisps on the rock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, well, you know, other kind of buddy movies, and it, this is a year after uh, Bad Boys comes out in '95. is a pretty big hit, and I think. To people, Mark's more of a like, oh, Will Smith is is a movie star now than like the arrival of Michael Bay. I think 
this coming a year after um bad boys is like oh this this director is someone to to look out for too and he's gonna how does kind of be the new guy for a bit how does bad boys feel feel so much less old than the rock how does is it just because there are sequels or because like the rock feels like it's thrown the rock feels like it should have come out in the 70s weird i i feel like the rock feels more modern actually i don't know man i the rock like i don't remember this is not against the rock this is nothing bad i love this movie this movie is so much fucking fun but like if you told me if you asked me which one came out first the rock or bad boys i'm saying that the rock came out before bad boys and i'm probably saying Mm -hmm. like a couple years if not like eight years yeah wait bad boys came out the year before right 95 yep yeah. yeah, like, if, th- if that came out in 95, I feel like I w- I'd want to say The Rock came out in, like, 90 or even, like, late 80s. Like, it feels so of that era, too. Yeah. Um, just to speak about those action movies, like, you know. I think that one thing that separates it is the the Michael Bay is really, I mean, copying his whole style kind of off of Tony Scott. But the, the editing is just pr- pretty insane and fast-moving cameras, quick-cutting not always like God, a lot of those shots are geographically rough. like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense from the standpoint of what the hell is happening and like the car chase say um oh, but it still boy. just kind of works with your you being with the the characters and like like that's a that's the best car chase that like you're not really even sure who's chasing who yeah. <laughs> like, what, i could you that car chase is so bonkers that like the way it's actually shot if you break down shot for shot what's going on they maybe go like four blocks of footage yeah, yeah. except for like the massive wide footage that nearly made me motion sick like that it is a wild quote-unquote car chase it's uh yeah I I, I don't uh, quite approve of just shaking the camera for for no reason like in your close up of Connery but um but uh, yeah I, I like that that scene and uh the the scene leading up to it you know m- maybe minus the gay stylist stereotype uh <laughs> him throwing um Leo off the the balcony is great. Uh, even better than that is him distracting four or five FBI agents <laughs> with a buffet spread. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you needed anything to tell you that uh, the state of pay for government employees was bad then and is bad now, <laughs> it's that they were like, I don't care if the head of the FBI is on the balcony. I will eat this free food because, as the one guy says, if it's free, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> Yeah, this is this movie's really about respecting our troops and all of our government service people in a lot of ways. It points out a lot of harsh realities that they deal with. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those action scenes that's kind of thrown in there for for no reason, just because the movie needs an action scene at that time. Yeah, uh, but it it works. You know, it makes Connery wants to get away and and sets up that he has a daughter, which uh, is why he sticks around at the end. Also great and wild. Did you guys notice the the timeline for his daughter? Do you get what is, was occurred there? Okay, I will, um, I, will, I will I will put it in. Wait, he he goes to jail the year Doctor No comes out. I thought that was maybe a, a little Bond uh, reference. Uh, so the point is oh, that wait. she says oh. and implies oh. that he broke out of prison. Oh right, yeah, for like a weekend <laughs> to see Led Went Zeppelin. To a li- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he was like, 
Yo, Zeppelin's here? Must go see Zeppelin. <laughs> then hooked up with this rando and uh, was arrested the next morning. So, like, he quote-unquote has a daughter. This poor woman, by the way, <laughs> who's just like, yeah, some guy called me. He says he's my father. He looks like Sean Connery. Um, and <laughs> I'm meeting him at this park. Like, that is... It is hilarious how little work that they did to try to just like they're just like yeah he has a daughter and all of us just went yes like it is the fact that she showed up or did anything other than just like oh what a weird prank call and just hung up is amazing yeah, yeah it feels a little shoehorned in to give his character like more emotional depth but it's not really very well done or like thought out yeah well you know if James Bond is going to a Zeppelin concert James Bond's getting laid that's that's true. We we know that. But it is bra- it is great. Movies. It is great that that it, the timeline is that he broke out of prison to see Zeppelin. Did not try to run away. <laughs> Was just like, yeah, someone... I'll see Zeppelin and I'll go back to prison. It'll be great. So oh, yeah, one of his buddies uh, somehow got a copy of Zeppelin too and into the prison. Mm-hmm. He was like, this fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael Bean, uh, good in this movie. Great. What one of the best like small moments of the movie just the the yelling back and forth uh like you i can't give that order i cannot give that order like both michael bean and ed harris really sell the like shower scene mm-hmm. there yeah. yeah love it love an ed harris shower scene um one of my favorite times <laughs> for him um no that whole scene is great and it's and it's like it is you know how it's gonna end you know and but it's it, uh, even though it's a trope, like with like the rock falling and it starts the gunfire, like it is it you don't care because everyone in it sells it so well, um, and you even get that great little character development where uh, Snooty Mc uh, Poison Face uh, turns and is like, "Let's just shoot him!" Um, like that that whole scene is is primo. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's actually Private uh, Snooty McPoison. Face. Yes, my apologies. Did you know he was played by uh, time traveling Paul Schlick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he does look like my brother. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. A little like, bit. Yeah. That's a that's a fun fun podcast joke for everyone that knows what your brother <laughs> looks like. If only you were doing a video component to this, I could show a picture. If yeah, only. Yeah, check our Instagram for a picture of Paul Schlick. Um, that dude's also <laughs> Next to uh, uh, That actor's also in um, Twister. Um, uh, oh yeah, he, is he really? Yeah, he's he's was that that? Huh? Oh, I was gonna say that was that the same year as this? I th- yeah, it yeah, is. I think so. Something like that. 96. Um, what is also badass? Fancy little 96. Uh, is that um, uh, Bokeem Woodbine, um, who is uh, uh, the guy who ends up, who Ed, Ed Harris shoots in the chest? Um, he's yeah. Uh, yep. uh, he uh, is one an ageless time traveler because two he played uh, Shocker in Spider-Man: Homecoming and looks the same, just a casual. Yeah fucking 20 years later motherfucker looking looking exactly the same damn good actor by the way uh he, i wish he was in more okay. shit he right around the same in time the second season of fargo yeah and that was yeah he looks exactly the same there too and that's probably 30 years later he is a yeah he's a damn good actor i love that dude yeah he's uh, really good I, I loved him in that second season of fargo and then I, I can't remember what else he's been in recently but i feel like 
that gave him a pretty big boost, and he's been in a lot of stuff the last few years. He's been a bunch of stuff. He yeah, was that apparently in that. Uh, he was apparently in the, in the in that Halo in the the Halo show that just came out, which I have not watched. Um, yeah, he plays. He plays Mr. He plays Halo. The main. Yeah, Mr. Halo. Mr. Halo. Uh, he plays the guy. That guy. Keem Whitbine is John Halo. Is Jonathan Halo. Can we talk about real fast? <laughs> John Mason? No, I was no. Uh no, Stanley Goodspeed. Oh, yeah. Let's Woof. talk Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> Woof. God Goodspeed, Godspeed, Godspell. And it's like, come on, keep it up. Keep it up, Sean. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, this it's, is, like, it's jazz oh, I thought, now, I thought, baby. <laughs> I thought you were educated, motherfucker. The, He's riffing. Yeah. He also like was what was it about Connery later that he was like, everyone I play has to be incredibly smart. Everyone I play reads a lot and loves the Greeks. Um, like, that whole subset of this movie is so beautifully unnecessary that they're like, yeah, what if, uh, like, the... What if they're just both fucking nerds? Uh, and so they like each other because uh, nerd shit. Yeah. Like, the yeah. modern equivalent would literally be that, like, one of them is that, like, one of them is just like, you know, oh, you play League of Legends? And he's like, yes, I also play <laughs> League of Legends. We can now communicate, unlike those Neanderthals. Yeah, Connery's dropping, like, fun facts about, oh, Alcatraz was originally this or something. And Cage is like, oh, that's cool. You know, I like history, too. Maybe after this is done, we can uh, take a tour here to visit the gift shop. But uh, right now, I just want to find some rockets. <laughs> I would just really like some rockets. I would say an underplayed part that I think there's a whole scene on the cutting room floor is Sean Connery finding out that the place that he uh, spent his life, probably got beat up by a bunch of prison guards and stuff, is now a tourist attraction. <laughs> They yeah. really, he gets like one line of dialogue where he's like, what? Yeah. About the fact that in a kind of a bonkers way, this place that is like was a cesspool of crime, we have now turned into just sort of like a, a roadside attraction akin to a, a, like yeah. a large ball of yarn. Yeah, that's the American way. I think uh, they really should have brought back uh, Phil Hartman as Vicky. From, oh uh, my Christ! <laughs> so I married an axe murderer. To he he really should have been the tour guide. Everyone uh, he here gets off at the calls beginning. me Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> Vicky's great. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> Do you want to know? Okay, here's first things first. We did somehow bring up another one of my favorite movies, which we do every every week. Uh, this time, apparently, it is So I Married an Axe Murder. Did you know that this that is not the only uh, So I Married an Axe Murder connection? Alcatraz is not the only connection. Would you like to venture uh, the crazy, tiny connection between these two movies? Is it a cast member? It is. Hmm. Uh, um, a cast member the, who was also... Get speeds. Go ahead. Uh, the the fiance isn't in that, is she? Nope. This cast member uh, that is in The Rock uh, also appears uh, in Borat: Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Ah, oh, shit. Really? Uh huh. This is one of my Boy. favorite weird little of all the people that showed up in this movie. This is the one where I was like, "Oh shit, your career is wild." Is it the prostitute in Borat? Yes, it is. I knew I yeah I know what you're talking about. I remember seeing her last night. And, uh, yep, 
she she's been in a bunch of uh, stuff. Her her name is, is, is Lunel. Blonde friend. Uh, nope. She yeah. she's the or, or, she's uh, the woman in prison that says that she has a gun at home. She uh, should have brought yeah, her yeah. gun. <laughs> uh, she uh, is a plays a prostitute in Borat uh, named Lunel, yep. which I only remember because her real life name is Lunel. Yep. And uh, she was in an episode of Sunny. She pops up in things like. Uh, Every once in a She's while, but I do remember seeing her last night. All it's over like, the wow, place. It's her, and she uh, is. She plays the desk clerk in Soy Married uh, an Axe Murder um, when uh, he tries to go and get uh, all of the like marriage licenses to like prove that um, uh, that like uh, she hasn't been married before. Um, she plays like the the angry desk clerk. Um, I've seen Soy Married an Axe Murder too many times. Like no one has to remember that scene. That's fine. Uh, it's also the scene where um, uh, Kramer is in that scene, and he's and he's right. the investigative reporter, and he's like yelling about oh, fuck. What does he what does he keep on asking him? Eh, either way, she's just like in that. And as I was watching this, I was like, oh shit, that is so funny. She's in Borat, and also she's in this other like there are not that many movies to which Alcatraz is sort of like a main component. Uh, and Sir Married Max Murder is another one of them. So ta-da, good job, Lunell. Way to go, Lunell. Uh, any thoughts on the uh, Hans Zimmer score? It's very Hans Zimmery. <laughs> sure <laughs> is. That is fine. You work. Can, <laughs> during during many points of it, I was like, "Man, that's that Zimmer." I yeah, I kind of love it. Uh, most of the action stuff with the like happy like romantic themes are just so 90s and corny that i'm I'm not loving that music like at the the end is like it sounds like it's from a different movie but all the kind of epic stuff is like you know dialed up to 11 for sure but uh definitely uh it's his classic the the pulse this movie going it's his classic driving like like drum beat uh uh with sort of just like uh uh bursts of action like like this is clearly him sort of practicing for what like that that part of his career was when in the the mid 2000s as opposed to now his career don't get me wrong i love Hans zimmer like but and like the shit that he's doing now now that he's older and like doesn't care is like awesome um yeah like his score for dune is amazing um but like this is that moment where he's just like and he's sort of like James Horner avatar moment where it's just like, ah, yes, this is another one of those Zimmer pieces where it just goes bum ticka 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 dum ticka 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 bum ticka ticka ticka. And you're like, ah, yes, thank you for another one of these pieces of music. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the most like 90s shots in in history when uh, they cut, I think, or maybe half an hour and there's just a cut to the Golden Gate Bridge and it's, he's doing that like, tony scott just kind of like orange lighting for everything and there's jets going by mm-hmm. there and zimmer's got his electric guitars <laughs> just like i mean it's kind of feels like 80s like top gun or something too but it's like the, the music's come a little bit further yeah i was thinking this does really feel like an 80s tony scott yes, movie i have to say totally. yeah, more than absolutely yeah the... um in fact all it would take is one or two cast members from top gun to make this a crossover uh, man, if if we could only get that uh, the like principal from Back to the Future, that bald guy, to, yeah. like get, give uh, you know Nick Cage a lecture at some point. Just start connecting these universes, man. Like, what are we doing here? Well, that's a good. Is the uh, do you buy into the 
obviously not true, but still fun fan theory that Connery's playing James Bond. But in a universe where there's several James Bonds and it's a code name and he's just playing. Oh, I I hadn't even heard that part of it. Well, we've all heard this. Yeah, we've all we've all heard this theory. Yeah. 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 I, I guess I didn't I hadn't heard it in the context of like there's continuity between everything if like we're saying Pierce Brosnan's a, a different person who's having those missions now and Connery's well, the no. original Bond who got captured and yeah, yeah well because that's the, that's the, that is just I get what you're saying Road Warrior because that's just like the that is one of the theories of Bond that we've all talked about which is that concept that Bond is a code name and that when one Bond retires or one Bond gets arrested by the U.S. government on the Canadian border as a loose example um, that another Bond quote-unquote steps up I mean, I d- yeah. this might be apocryphal, but like, hasn't Michael Bay like and 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 other people connected come out and been like, we really wanted to, so we leaned into it, but like we couldn't legally. I I mean, I I think that's that's sort of the pitch and the joke of of having Connery in this role. Is it's obviously a a nod to to Bond. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know if if you really did that, wouldn't wouldn't you want to say he was uh, captured in the seventies? Well, like what I'm after saying his is, Bond that's what I'm saying like, is that you yeah. can't, like, the, like you cannot, yeah, be, because then they owe then they owe Albert Broccoli money, so they obviously have to, <laughs> yeah. Which I think that there's they purpose so so there's even a joke about it, right? There's a joke about it in the movie that I think is relatively clear, which is that Ed Harris uh, comes face to face with Sean Connery for the first time and says like you're a long way from home sailor and he goes actually i'm not a sailor i was in the army which to me and i might totally be overthinking it is a really direct wink to camera being like no i am not naval canap i am not naval captain yeah. james bond yeah um because we as no, we I- all know he was in the navy um he's like actually i'm james mason no, wait, not James Mason. <laughs> actually, I'm James. Actually, I'm James Mason. Um, Why, well, whatever are you doing here on this island with all this gas? Um, but like that, that again, I'm oh, probably overthinking it. But like that to me was a really like a big wink nod of just like, yes, I am, but no, I'm totally not. I'm just like another version. Yeah, that that's uh, that's probably actually the strongest evidence that that wasn't their intention to make it spe- very specifically James Bond or his version of James Bond because they, yeah, he was obviously a commander in the navy. So I like that they they still make him English though. They couldn't just make him so <laughs> funny. I guess like no one's no one's ever heard of like Scottish Secret Service, but yeah. like they, they, I'm sure they exist. Like you gotta have something. But yeah, yeah the the guy at the end who's punching him, who's like. Uh, English prick. I tell you, my dad was Irish. Well, it's like, when would you have had this conversation? To be, to be <laughs> fair, they do say that he's the. Don't they say uh, when when they look up his uh, his, uh, his when they're trying to f- uh, find like his prison records? They do say that he's born in Glasgow, which is Scotland. But we're just idiot. Uh, we're just yeah. idiot Americans. <laughs> um, and I think that's more the joke. Yeah, I wonder does does Scotland have its own secret service? Well, no, because it's a part of the the United Kingdom, like it's a it's yeah. A, that's that's what I think. So like they so the short answer is no. Oh, uh, so yeah, he could be a Scottish agent working yeah. for the British government. But the point yeah. is that Sean Connery just has a speech impediment, and so like he doesn't to um, to American <laughs> ears, he doesn't sound Scottish or English. He sounds Sean Connery ish, 
and he played James Bond, who is a Brit. So, like, that's sort of just, like, where our dumb lizard brains go. The one thing we haven't talked about yet, we, we talked about it a little bit, but we really deserves its own deep dive, is just, it's more of an appreciation of just how awesome Ed Harris is. He freaking rocks. He's great in this. He makes me feel really, really wanting for him to win. It's, uh, he's the best. I, I adore him. He, I think that, that he's going to, to people that aren't film buffs, I think he's going to get lost in the sauce a little in a way that I, that sucks. Cause he is one of my favorite all time actors. I think he is unreal. Yeah. He's pretty good in everything. You know, even like that first season of Westworld, I feel like he just carried that in some ways. Um, even though that has a great cast, like he's exceptional in everything he's in, even amongst like an ensemble cast or a bigger cast like this, like he still sticks out always to me. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and he sort of really, really makes he's this movie's secret sauce. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. The fact that this movie is so over the top in so many of its elements that that Ed Harris is taking this performance this seriously. Um, and the, the character is uh, well written, um, just really grounds it and keeps the, the stakes real, even as all hell is breaking loose. Yeah. Shout out to the other guy, too, his like, second in command. Oh, David, David Morris. David oh, he's, he's so also, good. Those guys like, yeah. really kind of sell this movie. Yeah. yeah. His, his, great, his great moment at the, toward, at the very end where you're like, all right, man, he's going to turn. He's had enough. And it's like, nah, like, he, he will follow Ed Harris to the grave. Like, yeah. He, he gets sort of you know what is uh what what is the most important stuff but no harris is astounding if you have like uh he played jackson pollock uh in in uh, a a biopic that no one saw um and he's fucking great in truman show he's great in apollo 13 um uh i again love him in uh, a little scene world war ii movie called uh enemy at the gates like ed harris is just fucking perfect I I cannot think of something he was bad in. History of Violence. Great, oh, great so good. Also. Yeah, um, he's he's just unbelievable. Yeah, that that scene where they uh, first have like established, they've taken Alcatraz, and he has the speech to all the guys, where it's like, "This is a good speech." I hope these guys have heard this before deciding that yeah. <laughs> they wanted to. <laughs> commit mutiny against the u.s government because he's almost saying that like it's the first time like just so you know here's the plan in case you didn't realize treason is something that will they will kill you for like there's some guy in the back that's like (laughs) what oh god yeah he says he says you will never be able to uh, step foot on u.s soil again is that something you're okay with and it's like I think it's too late. (laughs) Y'all already broke into a military base and stole nerve gas. I don't think that, like, I would hope that this speech happened before that heist, not now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I do really, too. I mentioned earlier, I love the scene where he basically, like, at the end when he's like, yeah, I was bluffing. Like, I just wanted to get, like, compensation and recognition for all these guys that served under me like i'm not a psycho i was never actually gonna bomb an entire city with like what i weapons. what i love like, about that too is that that is it's like anyone who's watching from the audience like i don't think it's a question mark like i from the outset i'm like yeah of course this dude wasn't gonna shoot the missiles 
Like, if yeah. you knew this guy for more than... Like, I, that's why the Sean Connery thing, like, I think that we as an audience kind of laugh at Nicolas Cage laughing at Sean Connery that, like, like, like Sean Connery's like, he's not going to shoot. Like, I looked him in the eyes. And, like, yeah. Cage very reasonably is like, what the fuck are you talking about? But it's like, I get, I get <laughs> it. Like, that is... Yeah. You look at that dude and you're like, oh, you are a soldier. There's a reason why... Exactly as they say late in the movie, like the other guys, like, you know, like we're mercenaries now. But the point is, is that to Ed Harris's mind, he's like, nope, at no point, at no point were we mercenaries. I am simply uh, a patriot. He was like, I am simply acting uh, 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 against my government for the good of the people. And it was like, all right, like, hell yes. Like, the, it, it is so often, quote unquote, good bad guys you they are only good because lazily writers will give them a very terrible backstory right yeah this is one of those great bad guys where he is not a bad guy yeah no not at all and sort of proves it through and through the whole movie and like again that's kind of why you're you're not pulling for him but you're also like i i like this dude yeah I would like to see him make it out okay. Think about if he, if his side had quote unquote won, he was asking for a hundred million dollars from a a dark site slush fund. Yeah, like it's not even fucking like. Arguably, the 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 how that would end is that now the the FBI has found out that the Pentagon has a a, a slush fund, which means that that's gone forever now. Sorry, bye bye. Uh, uh, military spending, which I'm totally fucking fine with. Uh, 88 soldiers' uh, families just got richer and better, uh, even better. And then the the last of the money he's gonna give to all of the men that are there. When I'm I'm pretty sure that if you uh, arrange it all out and count it all out, that like Ed Harris, I think that the whole point is that his character was never going to walk away. I think the point yeah. is that. Because when they go to even to plan B, plan B is y'all get on the, the copters with one of the missiles and I stay here. I think that even if plan A had succeeded, I think that he stays to quote unquote face justice. Yeah, no, I think he's, he's probably or it, it appears that he knows he's getting arrested either mm -hmm. way or that something bad's going to happen to him. I think we hear like voiceover at the beginning of him in like a public hearing, you know, arguing his his case for compensating these people. I feel like the movie could even use like a minute or two scene of, of us like seeing that that happen and him kind of get uh, rejected yeah. by his, his superiors. If there. the movie's made now, well, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I think a really critical scene to understanding his character is actually the opening one of the movie where he visits his wife's grave because like that's the thing that's made him decide to do this like this plan that he knows he's never because he's kind of lost everything. Yeah you know, the one thing he was maybe living for, like, that's sort of a really, really key moment right out of the gate. And I think it sort of hints at Max at what you're saying. Like, now that this guy's lost his wife, he's kind of lost everything. Like, he's going to go for this plan where he knows he's not making it yeah, out. Yeah, it's that, it's that concept that, that, like, while she was alive, he wasn't going to put her through this. But this was clearly, like, a thing that he and his subordinate had talked about, right? Yeah. Which is also why his why the second in command is with him even to the end is that I feel like he was in on it from the start. Like you get that feeling. Um yeah. but the I think that if like if this movie is made now or if this if this movie was remade twenty years from now, then like I think you start and you there's no dialogue. I think you just see Ed Harris in his full dress uniform 
at the gravestone, putting the the metal on, and then we smash cut to the heist. And then I agree with y'all that like later on when they're doing the whole FBI breakdowns and stuff, we're like. They're like, well, who even is this guy? Because like they do that cool moment in the Pentagon room where the other the Pentagon generals shut down the chief of staff and they're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> this this guy's a fucking legend. <laughs> but like in that moment, you show like uh him in front of Congress. You show his yeah. track record. And it's like that would have that would be a more modern way of doing a like show me, not tell me. Um, as yeah. opposed to what happens here. Uh, I'm going to run to the bathroom. You can keep talking if you want. Okay. Did you hear that? Daddy says that we're allowed to keep talking. Yeah, we were allowed to keep talking. He says that How... while Daddy takes a pee-pee, that we're allowed to take to keep, to keep talking. Mm. May I follow? May... <laughs> All right. Fun little game. Fun little game for you. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm an idiot, so I just didn't, I just didn't uh, take into account. How many Academy Awards has ed harris been nominated for i'm gonna say two the answer my friend is four really for he was nominated for for lead lead actor once and for supporting uh three times he was he was I'm going to go in order of the ones that are going to make sense that you were not well they all make sense but in ones that you're going to be like oh yeah um, Apollo 13, supporting actor. Yep. The Hours, supporting actor. Oh, I forgot he was. I forgot he was mm-hmm. in The Hours. Yeah. The Truman Show, supporting actor. Um, that one surprises me. That one bit. surprises me uh, too. I forgot that that had any noms. Yeah. Um, and lastly, uh, the movie that I brought up at the beginning, he, uh, uh, Pollock, uh, in 2000, he was nominated for for uh, lead actor. Yeah. Um, but just as you had said before, he's also he was nominated for uh, uh, an Emmy for lead actor in Westworld, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he was unbelievable in that first season. He's apparently in the new season, which makes me want to watch the new season. I know. I, I would maybe watch it if he's significantly involved. I believe he is because I skipped. I did not see season three, and I heard it was not great. Here's some here's some other movies he's in that you don't really think about too that are also classics, uh, the right stuff. Mm. He's very good in that. I mean, that's a real ensemble. Sure. You know, it's not like he's leading that or anything. The Abyss. The Abyss. Classic. Uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Glenn Gary Glenn yeah. Ross. Like I forgot about that until just now mm-hmm. when I looked it up. Some insane movies he's in. I guess too. I I don't remember him in this at all. But I, him, I guess he's in a Beautiful Mind too. I don't, I don't remember, remember him in the slightest. Was oh oh yeah. He's he's like the agent who's um who he he's seeing but yeah. isn't really there. Yeah, isn't really trying there. to get him in the government stuff. It yeah. says right here that he's in Top Gun Maverick. He is. Yeah, he's only yeah, he like the. First oh no, scene. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's totally in the first season. Because when I saw it in theaters, I was like, yes. Ed Harris is in this one, and then Ed Harris was not, yeah. in fact, after that, in this one. Mm-mm. No, he basically is there to say, "I'm, I'm shipping you off to flight school again." But I will have to say oh, though, he's great in the new. <laughs> That's what we're saying. I will have to say though is that, yeah. and this is this has already been widely reported a thousand times, and it's true and it's awesome. Is that when he does get flown over and like the roof gets blown off that building? That was real. That did happen, and he did not shit his pants. Ed Harris is my hero. Yeah. 
The guy's a legend. He's a national treasure. I could have a whole podcast just talking about. I him. fucking love Ed multiple Harris. episodes. Oh, a thousand percent. You could talk. We just listed so many more movies than the majority of people that are normally in the movies we talk about. Like the amount yeah. of just A plus movies we just listed are bonkers. Unbelievable. He's in freaking Creep Show. I forgot about that too. The guy is in so many unbelievable. Ed Harris movies. is. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Ed Harris is a god. I love Ed Harris. Um, he's just, he's unreal. Yeah, this guy is a national treasure. People should be cherishing him. When he dies, that's going to be a sad day. That's going to be terrible. He, if, in, unless like someone crazy, uh, also dies, he better, he, he will lead the sort of like in memoriam, uh, Oscar thing. Cause like definitely. he definitely has one of those careers where like you, just as we're all sitting here doing this, this to me is, it's, uh, um, is like uh, I do this all the time with with Kenny Loggins. Stay with me. I do this I do this with Kenny Loggins where I'm like, people will be like, well, I don't really know any Kenny Loggins songs except for Danger Zone, and I'm like, you're wrong. You know ten Kenny Loggins songs. Yeah. That is one of my favorite ones where people are like, I don't really know him, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't remember him. You've heard half the music he's ever put out. Have you heard of Footloose? Have you heard of Footloose? Do you have a favorite uh, sequence from The Rock? I have a funny, I have a favorite Kenny Loggins song, if that's what you're asking. No, um, I <laughs> let me <laughs> Danger Zone from The Rock. <laughs> um, every movie is better with Danger Zone. Um, uh, and also, no, it would be it would be Return to Pooh Corner. Thank you. Um, all right, so let's sit here. My favorite sequence from The Rock. I might have to think about it if you have one locked and loaded. I I think the stuff I enjoy the most rewatching it is the like I guess it would be the beginning of the the third act after all the Marines get killed in the bathroom. Uh, just the con all the stuff of Connery and and Mason like uh, Connery and Mason Ma- Mason and Goodspeed um, like bonding there the the buddy stuff there the, okay now now he's got all the guns and like him getting him on his side and then like the some of the action there with like the this thing falls on the guy and cage is like oh that's the most ho- horrible thing i've ever seen and his legs twitching is is this normal that oh, happens oh, what do you want me to do kill him again <laughs> like that's some good like you know maybe tarantino or sorkin like the, some of the best script stuff is in those sequences yeah, I feel like the the whole third act is sort of my favorite part of the movie. I, it kind of makes it for me. I'm I'm not necessarily in love with the like the middle section of the movie or even mm-hmm. like the car chase you're talking about is kind of stupid. I I feel like that's one of the most like arbitrary, frustrating action yeah. sequences ever. It like drags. this movie's sort of made. Yeah, after those marine after the marines died, the big shootout. Like that's when this movie really gets going. I feel like. Yeah, the thing with the car chase is just, like, I feel like n- no one wants to make a two-hour action movie that doesn't have a big action sequence in the first hour. Yeah. And it's like, how do you how do you throw something in before they get to Alcatraz? Yeah. The, um... But, yeah, once... I think, uh... My, I'm gonna pull sort of a wild one, and this does, again, lend itself to how good this script is, is that I love all of the... Uh, exposition sort of boardroom scenes 
Um, like that is a place where so many of these types of movies really fail because of just like wood, wooden yeah. dialogue, wooden acting, exposition for simply the sake of itself. But like every one of the scenes, and a lot of it again uh, is is dependent on on like Ed Harris's like video conference stuff is really badass. But then the actual dialogue in between, all the dialogue between the military and the FBI, between the FBI and themselves, all that sort of interstitial could be the place where this really drags and it super doesn't oh and ed, yeah the way ed harris speaks to people when he's on the phone he's like who the, who's talking now identify yourself so and then signing off with hummel from alcatraz yeah, he's always he always is yeah. here's yeah. the best part is did he do that everywhere he was is he just like and all the time was just like he's like hummel hummel, hummel from it, yeah. mcdonald's hummel <laughs> in my ford pinto out and you're just like dude what do you come on yeah, if, if you want to appreciate how awesome and, like, uh, just tension-filled and interesting the, like, behind-the-scenes, like, CIA uh, scenes are in this, watch The Gray Man, and you'll see the, the worst version of how boring that shit can be. Yeah. Even with, with good actors. Yeah, because it can just be so wooden. Um, but like this feels dynamic. It feels like a room full of people trying to solve a problem. Oh, you know what? And it, you, I, we're going to keep saying it, so we may as well just go there. It feels like the best parts of the West Wing. <laughs> it feels like you're in a room in the West Wing, a show that was never about action. It was about people talking about action. A weird part of this, and it definitely just means that there was two or three cut scenes. Um, and all, this is the most Sorkin shit on the planet and the most Michael Bay shit. Why did we have to have the president make a speech? A president who's yeah, never been on screen before. Yeah, no, no that's, clue. Yeah, that's hilarious, and like, really, the just the extreme patriotism of of every Michael I Bay know. movie. Where I, I said last night, like, the that they have the president giving, like, saying to his aides in his office, like, the speech that you'd think he would say on TV mm-hmm. to justify that, or it's like. No, this is what he's saying to like one person. What's also bonkers is that like the person, the because that's an actual actor, the 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 guy who's the president. I remember what his name is. He's like a character actor that's been a bunch of stuff. Um, but like this was the '90s. Like Clinton was in office. This Henry Kissinger looking ass motherfucker would never have been elected president in the mid '90s. Like that's not happening. I, yeah, that that is funny. Like just how much. Like, how different he is from the president at the time. Usually they try to, like, mimic, yes! you know, the president that's in office. Independence like, Day! Even attempting. Independence yeah. Day is a well, perfect example of that. Yeah, like, Bill Pullman could absolutely be Clinton. Like, I believe him. That was the whole point. They're like, oh, he's young, but he, like, he's off the cuff, and we like him. All right, can, can we all agree that perfect president to be in, like, a couple scenes of The Rock would have been Billy Bob Thornton? Fine! That'd yeah. be great. <laughs> Throw him in there. Um, uh, the okay. I looked it up, uh, and then you know you'd you'd have it be in the same universe as as Love Actually. Also, so I looked yeah. it up. I'm looking up this guy. Stan. I Andrew, just looked him up. He's the most. I just looked him up. Yeah. <laughs> His number one credit is that he was the president in Armageddon as well. <laughs> Which means this guy. Okay, so shared universe there. <laughs> this guy's creepy. He looks like the cigarette smoking man from the X Files or something. He's been. Like, a, he's just a really... I know him from something really specific, and I don't remember what. <gasps> he was in the Drew Carey show. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, what do I like? I know him like really well from something weirdly specific, and I don't know what. Maybe it's just that he was the president in that. Uh, I never saw RoboCop three, so it sure shit isn't that. <laughs> well, you're missing out. That's RoboCop three slaps. Um, but yeah, he was uncredited as the president, which feels mean because you see whole side profile and he gets a monologue. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of screwed up. I'm glad that 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 we're talking about him because like he's legit. In, again, they definitely like cut us like a whole scene with him as yeah, the president like because there's no way that that, that that speech just sort of like occurs otherwise. He reminds me of this guy. He's not. Do you know, do you watch the X Files, Max, or have you? Nah, in the I was Max, never an X Files person. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Oh really sure. Creepy yeah. like. Nameless government agent who's like, yeah, kind of the antagonist. He reminds me of him. And then, like, Philip Baker Hall's just in this movie as, like, a Supreme Court justice for two seconds, yeah, yeah. which is amazing. Because I love it anytime he shows up in anything. Um, yeah, he was he, he died, like, a year or two ago, yeah, right? Yeah, he died recently. Oh, recently. I didn't know that. I, I'm, I think in less than a year ago. I think it was a couple oh, months ago. Makes me, yeah, it was not That makes me ago. sad. Yeah. He's, he's one of those dudes that just, like, was in six things every year. In like the coolest oh, yeah. way, just like my, my like my, my, the type of career that I like, I fucking respect more so than like any massive movie star. It's just that person who's just in shit all the time. Yeah, he just died in gym. Ugh, that sucks. Well, um, then we're bringing then we've brought up him as well. He's he plays the boss in Bruce Almighty. If you're listening and you don't know who the guy that we're talking about, that is what you probably are going to recognize him from. Um, he's great was in he that. In, uh, Rush Hour. He was a hundred percent in Rush Hour. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. the captain. Um, he's a uh, he was a fucking great actor. He was just like the the yeah. picture of consistency. Yeah, obviously in a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies, and then yeah. of course. Maybe most famously, Mr. Bookman in Seinfeld, the library cop. Sure. Bad year for libraries. Bad year, Bad for, year for America. <laughs> I want to, it's about the kid being able to go to the library and open a book and not see drawings of pee-pees and wee-wees. <laughs> I don't want this kid to get his mind warped. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Another point where it's like we've we've watched a lot of movies now. This, this uh, movie's cast, man, is... Uh, bonkers. Um, yeah, for a movie that's thought of so much as like a two-hander with Connery and Cage, and like they're so famous for, like this is one I of both of their biggest movies. Ed Harris is also gets above the title. Here. Yeah, it gets above the title. Um, Damn, this cast is stacked. That's the real winner of this movie. If you haven't watched it in a while, just go back and like relive the glory of like how freaking good this cast Dude, is. You want to know a lot crazy? of people who are character actors like David Morse and, and uh, some of the younger guys, Bokeem Woodbine, uh, the, the dude from Scrubs who like would oh! really have their careers blow out in like the three years after this movie. He basically. is so good in everything and he's so good in this. I adore him. Granted, I'm also, I love Scrubs. It's one of my, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Um, but yeah. he's great in this. You want to know the, uh, the, the fun one that like a dude that rebroke crazy late the um one of the soldiers i think he only has like one or two lines of dialogue he's the dude with the uh he has sort of like a a, a top-knot ponytail uh is an actor named Ray, named uh, uh raymond cruz and he's uh freaking what's his uh face he's uh uh 
Tuco Salamanca in Better Call Saul and um, Breaking Bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. A dude yeah. who like acts all the time, but it's like now we would just think of him as Tuco because he's amazing yeah, in yeah. those in those shows and like so huge in in those shows. Um, but uh, uh, he was just like, um, oh shit! Apparently, God, there's so much television. Hey guys, there's too much TV. Mm-hmm. There is. It's impossible to keep up. It's a losing. I've game. never seen an episode of Major Crimes in my life. It ran for seven seasons. He's in every episode. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the young um, Marine, who's the last one to to get killed, and hangs upside down there. Uh, in the same year, uh, also produced by uh, Bruckheimer and Simpson, uh, is in uh, Crimson Tide. He's, he's, uh, Denzel calms him down, talking to him, uh, to him about Star Trek, and uh, he like helps him fix something at the end. He's there. good in this. I know he only has a couple lines, but he's like yeah. he's really like like super watchable. Yeah, I guess the the Simpson uh, Bruckheimer. That's kind of a, a bigger discussion, but. Last, I think this is the last movie that Don Simpson is alive for some of it while they're making it. Yeah, well, the movie's dedicated um, to him. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that means he died at some point when they were making it. You know, yeah. too much cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Why you don't do all the cocaine? Only <laughs> do some of the cocaine. Connery gets an executive on this, yeah, which I mean, makes sense. Um, but I'm like, yeah. if this comes out now, there's no way that, that Cage doesn't also get an executive. Oh, even uh, at that yeah. point, I'm saying even even his career at that point, like there's no way that he did. I wonder if he asked and he didn't and he didn't get one. Like it's I'm kind of it's kind of weird he didn't. I think yeah, because I think uh, until this and the next two action movies, he wasn't really like box office star Nicolas Cage. It was like he'd been in some movies that were popular and you know acclaimed, but like he starts making blockbusters at this point. The, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is it's like he, had, as we had said, yeah, yeah. he just won, and so it's sort of like, I feel like he's like, all right, oh, this is yeah. a gamble for me. Therefore, I'll do it if I also gamble. You know what? That would that goes into well, that I goes think... into Nicolas Cage making good career decisions and life decisions, <laughs> and I don't have to talk about that. Uh, look, we've all bought some dinosaur bones, uh, metaphorically or literally. Um, but, but I think with, with that also, like, uh, leaving Las Vegas is 95. So he wins the Oscar probably like February of 96. This comes out a few months later. He definitely made his deal for the rock a while before he won an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. And anything else to say about the, the rock before we go, uh, all all cage. Let's go all cage all the time. It's a fun one. It's a high recommend. It's one of the more enjoyable watching experiences. If you're a person that has not watched this and you were listening to this, which is bonkers, uh, go go watch that <laughs> movie. It's very good. Yeah. yeah, it's it's probably top five like '90s action for for me. It's uh, seen a lot. Yeah, re- really good time. Yeah. All right, Cage. Uh, all right, who, who wants to go first? We are doing the top usually... five Cage movies. I'm saying this out loud for the audience. Oh yeah. Now I will say um, that we should probably do oh, our best of the rest. Let's let's well let let's do what you suggested I think last time and before our number ones do <gasps> honorable nice. mentions so we don't 
st- step on each other uh, for because there's so many fucking movies for Cage. So. Yeah, my my top so, five uh, is definitely going to be weirder than y'all's top fives, which is which is granted. I say that a lot, and it doesn't always come true. I th- I think mine's going to be pretty pretty wonky, but I'm also going to do it with a. There's a lot of a lot of caveats that go into it, which yeah. We'll get into I mean, The point. Rock could easily be in mine. It's not because it, we just talked about it, it exactly. Yeah, so like similar. I'm actually going to go a step further with mine, and and I'll kick off the honorable mention yeah. of this. I'm not going to put any Nicolas Cage. I'm going to just go with non-action Nicolas Cage Ooh. movies because for me, like Face Off, The Rock, and Con Air, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw National Treasure in that group too. I like them all a lot. There's not one I necessarily love more than the other, and. They're all kind of Nicolas Cage just being Nicolas Cage. I'm going to do the movies where I think he gives, like, a good, like, maybe a movie that he's in that's sort of slept on or forgotten about, or a movie where he gives a good performance, and I'm going to take Nicolas Cage action star out of my list. Okay. So. Uh, so why, why don't you start with uh, your your number five, then? Yeah. Uh, my number five is Honeymoon in Vegas. It's a comedy movie with him, Sarah Jessica Parker, and James Caan. It's very, very funny, and it's one of the most, I think, forgotten about 80s comedies uh, that's not, you know, the, like, bathroom humor porkies type thing, so. Wait, do, do, wasn't it 90s? No, I think it's 80s. Like, I couldn't tell you. I want to say mid-80s, but it's a very, very good movie. No, very few people have actually seen it, and it's worth watching, so. It's one of his uh, most hilarious uh, deliveries when he... he part of the premise he like uh it's almost like an indecent proposal or something where he he thinks he is uh like the best poker hand that he he can't lose this game and so he puts his girlfriend on the table a night with his girlfriend i think sarah jessica parker and that uh with james Caan, who's like this mob guy uh, and then has to explain this to her and says i had a straight flush do you know what that means it's like unbeatable and she's like like unbeatable is not unbeatable and nick cage does this turn thing where he's like hey i know that now right yeah it's really good <laughs> yeah he's he's so funny in it and it's really kind of i feel like what he's best used as is like this offbeat comedy guy in like you know romantic comedies things like that so yeah, that's number five uh, Max number five. My number five is Con Air Bay B. I wish I could have it higher. Con Air is one of my favorite action yeah. movies of all time. Full stop. Um, is it bad in parts? Yes. Is it wild <laughs> and unbelievable? Yes. Does any of that stop me from thinking that it is a perfect movie? God no. I I can't. It's so much fun. I I I definitely came at it not only as a person who uh, was incredibly young when I saw it, but also a person who John Cusack is my mother's favorite actor of all time. So I come at it with bias, but like pound for pound, one of the better, just sort of wild '90s action movies. The definition of a they don't make it that way anymore. Um, that yeah. movie's buck wild in all the best ways. Malkovich is uh, Cyrus the Virus. I mean, just great. Steve Buscemi just destroying, yeah. <laughs> like, in this in this madcap, ridiculous, like, crime romp, just being, like, in, uh, this, this movie's great. Dave Chappelle, like, <laughs> being a legit actor and, like, doing well. Like, this movie's great. This movie's great. 
yeah uh, introducing uh buscemi as as like hannibal lecter basically and then like hanging out with a little girl and singing he's got the whole so world in his fucking hand just like creepy. C- cures him of of his <laughs> that cures him of all violent impulses and he's just like a sane man chilling in vegas at the end i would argue like, okay, i would argue the beauty go, go for it i was gonna say i'd argue that the beauty is just that he's free i don't know if he's better i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that steve buscemi of just a wild wild wonderful career but like th- him in this and him in spy kids are like two of my favorite buscemi's just buscemi in the last place you would expect him at delivering crushing performances Oh yeah, the the bit where he talks to um, Cage after Cage uh, uh, kills uh, is it Nick like Chinland or something? The whole like put the bunny in the the bag thing. Oh yeah, it's like two went down, one one came up, and that, that his whole quote in that is, is perfect. And then he in fucking Spy Kids, Steve Buscemi uh, in a children's movie delivers the line: "Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created here on Earth?" <laughs> It, I, it, I just, I love Steve Buscemi. <laughs> um, and because uh, my, I love Connor. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, my number five is a recent one. I'm going with uh, Mandy. Um, really crazy, really enjoyable movie. I think was like, there's a lot of like, uh, largely ironic love for Nicolas Cage's just like nutty performances among millennials, I think, especially. And so it sort of got labeled as like, it's the ultimate Nick Cage, like freaks out and loses his mind movie, which is sort of true. It's like a crazy Nick Cage uh, exploitation revenge movie. It's also like an art movie that's like really well made and just weird and interesting in its own right. I think it's very unique in, in his career and just movies in general and uh yeah i, I really like mandy yeah yeah my list is gonna suffer uh, num- my list is gonna suffer a little bit because i haven't seen like his three most recent uh like really big movies oh yeah yeah this is a really tough list to do he's a little bit like cruise because you could go like three different yeah, you routes could do like, you could do five from the 90s or yeah you could just like. do like a bunch of different top fives for him like that's why i had to rule out the action movies just because i don't even know where he had started on that like yeah. i like con air as much as i like the rock as much as i like you know face off but four for me is um uh and this is a more recent one i guess it's technically an action movie but kick-ass uh, i really really sure. like him in kick-ass oh, yeah. i i yeah, I think, again, I think he's being used really well there. Is He's this ridiculous, like, comedy, comedic relief character. Yeah. And then, uh, I really like when he's used for those sorts of performances. And uh, that's also just a great That's really good. I had completely forgot about him in that. That is an excellent point. It kind of feels like the way that, like, in all of the biggest, um, like, Carpenter movies, like, Kurt Russell is sort of doing an impression of, like, John Wayne or like Clint Eastwood or he's like kind of going for a vibe of like a classic actor where like Nick Cage has said he's kind of like doing Adam West in, in Kick-Ass but yeah. <laughs> it really works for that that version of a, a weird superhero movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, my number four. Nice. My number four is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I know oh, yeah. that he's a tiny bit of it. That movie is perhaps a top five uh, superhero movie ever made um, uh, it's fucking perfect he is perfectly cast in it for exactly the reasons we're talking about 
Um, so I like I I it ha- I want I was gonna put it in my mentions, and I was like, I would watch this movie before I watched almost any other fucking movie on this list. So I had to put it on. Yeah, the, there was some scene in there where they're all like talking and saying something that I I forget. It was almost like Lego Batman or something where Nick Cage just says like "dead parents" or something like that. Where I don't know if you remember that line, but he had he has one or two like outbursts in the middle of something that are just really funny. He's a bunch of stuff like that. He has a great line where he's like, they're all talking about like things they all do, and he's like, sometimes you hold a match up to your hand just to see if you oh, can still feel I think anything. That's, yeah, that I think that's what I'm thinking of. That was so funny. <laughs> that movie is fucking perfect, and he is so good in it. Uh, my number four is uh, Matchstick Man. Kind of, kind of flopped when it came out. Uh, sort of underseen Ridley Scott movie. Um, it's a little bit of Paper Moon. It's a little bit of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, it's just a fun, clever, modern con movie. Um, Cage, you know, playing typically very neurotic person in it. And uh, also Sam Rockwell and also... Sam um, fucking Rockwell. Alison Lohman, who I, I wish uh, still made movies. She's, she's really good as well. Yeah, I like that movie. That movie, I liked that movie a lot when it came out too, yeah. Uh, so I think you started n- number three. Yeah, number okay. Number three for me is um, I'm raising Arizona. I'm realizing now there's is a theme that I have done top five Nicholas Cage. I'm doing my favorite version of Nicholas Cage, which is comedy Nick Cage. Yeah, <laughs> and that's my top five. And I, I mean, raising Arizona kind of speaks for itself. He's great in it. His name is High, so that's yeah. the the first <laughs> hilarious thing. Uh. I like his uh, wacky, zany energy, like the crazy hair, the crazy outfits. Like, he just sells it really, really well. Yeah, he really perfectly fits into, like, a, that kind of, like, Hudsucker proxy, like, heightened Coen Brothers world. Yeah, yeah, because he just doesn't feel like a real person. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I wish he would have worked with the Coen Brothers again. I feel like they're actually people that could use him really, Me really too. well. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, he would have been perfect in, like, a Hail Caesar or something like that. Exactly. And I think they get it. Of extremely good performance out of him here but i think he gives them a lot too and yeah. I, I wish there was a little bit more of that maybe one day uh my number three is adaptation um probably i probably the most critically acclaimed movie he's in just sort of overall in general and whatnot is great in it the only reason it's it's lower on my list is it's it, it, it is not a movie that like i'm gonna probably return to like like a, a lot of my stuff uh, uh ends up going down sometimes to like stuff i'm gonna rewatch, stuff that i'm going that i like i want to further explore and like that that is a movie that i saw i should probably probably should rewatch, um um but like uh i i couldn't not put it on the list okay uh so my my three is uh pig um, from uh, it came out last year. Um, it's sort of I think it, even the way I heard it pitched or kind of advertised at first was like people were talking about it like a companion piece to to Mandy or like it was gonna be uh, Nick Cage as like John Wick and he has to like mess up some dudes to like get his pig back or something. But it's like not that movie at all. It's it's him like calmly talking to people and and reasoning with them and it's such a great kind of subtle performance from him um really enjoyable uh interesting movie i kind of loved it 
Yeah, I'm in the same camp as Max, where uh, I I haven't seen some of his more recent movies, unfortunately, so I, I can't really weigh in. Yeah. But I heard great things. Yeah, yeah de- definitely uh, check it out. I know I have to have a night. I have to have a night where I literally go go and watch uh, that and Mandy and what is it, Crushing Weight of yeah. um, Unbearable Fame? Yeah. Un- I have to, I have to watch all all three of those. Um. Okay, so uh, I think. Max, wait, no, you, you started. Two. Number two. Yeah. Number two for me is Moonstruck. I feel like it's basically interchangeable with Raising Arizona for me. It, yeah, 87 is like kind of the, the year for, for him. Yeah, that I think that's the peak Cage like comedy year. Again, kind of a similar performance to, to Raising Arizona. He's sort of this zany, like almost not real character in this like heightened world. I think I think Moonstruck's a little more grounded than Raising Arizona, but I do think he gives a really really good performance, and he actually works really really well. Is a romantic lead in it, even yeah. with all of the characters like idiosyncrasies. I, I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for it. I think but, he may have been, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's a that's one of the career defining moments for for him for sure. That's a big movie in his career, and it, rightfully yeah, it, so. It, it's it's less kind of heightened and zany than than the Coen Brothers movie, but it's like Moonstruck also feels like it could be like a play in in the fifties or yeah. something, like uh, in, in a good way that he, he kind of exists well in that world. Yeah. Uh, Max number two. Uh, my number two is Raised in Arizona. Uh, I love that movie. We talked about it a whole bunch, so I'm not gonna. Really talk about it a whole bunch more. I, I I will watch anything the Coen brothers do. He fits so well into their stuff. And what, the one thing I will say is that in a in kind of a fun weird way, the same we were talking about, like him going up against this sort of stone wall that is Connery, like him uh uh in that uh going up with Holly Hunter, who like is not stone faced, but but is like is a an actor's actor. Mm-hmm right it's just a consummate fucking professional and just like their two energies match so freaking well um i love that movie the movie's so so awesome yeah uh, that is my number two as well um yeah su- super fun uh the you know the coen brothers i think it's just their second movie after um think blood after simple, blood right simple, yeah so they make blood simple and that's like a critically acclaimed movie that doesn't make much of a box office impact. And so they, they literally referred to this as their sellout movie where they were like, you know, we just thought if we put a baby in a movie, they had some line like that's, that's just an emotional squib for the audience. So everyone's going to see a baby movie. Um, And then they make, you know, one of the best movies of their career, one of the best comedies of of the eighties. It's just really uh, cool and interesting and funny. Yeah. Uh, And cage, you know, it's it's one of those things also where it's like how many people besides Nicolas Cage at that time can you see playing that role that well? Oh no. yeah. He's it's sort of perfect for him and he's perfect for it. Yeah. It's I I know we're not talking about the Coen brothers, but how I, it is it always is 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 wild to me and it's like God bless them for being able to do this, but it is always wild to me that they were able to and off the success of their of their previous suit that they were able to go from raising Arizona into fucking Miller's Crossing, yeah, which is just yeah. like, 
whoosh, just like a thing in Hollywood now that would be so difficult to do, where as a young writer-director duo, you're like, and now for something completely different. Well, they, they've always gone back and forth between like the more serious kind of noir thrillers and then if you expect them to do the same thing again, it's it's going to be a, a funny one after that, and then you know. I think one no, after Miller's that. Crossing, yeah. Miller's Crossing, I think is is. I mean, none of their stuff can really be underrated, but like, I think it is not talked about enough. I love that movie. It's great. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think their first ten movies are all just dynamite. I think Barton Fink comes right after that. That movie's mm-hmm. crazy. It does. Good. Uh, that's one of their weirdest movies, though, because it's a little bit of that comedy. It's a little bit of like the funner more playful vibe but it's also really dark I, it's but like i i even like going all the way up to talk about them you know they they balance like a heavy noir thriller with a comedy like no country for old men into burn after reading like, burn after reading is a yeah. hilarious fucking movie it's so good and mm-hmm. i feel like it was hated on when because they had sort of reached like the zenith of their career and everybody thought they were just going to do no country for old men again and they just make yeah. this ridiculous comedy same but it's big so... lebowski comes after fargo like... yeah exactly yeah yeah dude i mean a, a serious man incredibly niche but hilarious yeah it is that is a really good movie i think that's one a of the most niche underrated ass movies. movie if you are a person that goes in and it's just like one of those fun cohen brothers like you're gonna be screwed but if you like if you go in sort of understanding one their their inspirations and two understanding uh anything about jewish culture like that movie's fucking hysterical yeah nobody too has ever mined the the gold mine of comedy that the album title abraxas is as good as that movie it's <laughs> what does he keep saying it's like i didn't order abraxas I didn't or- yeah yeah he's like i didn't order abraxas Ugh. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I, as I said, I apologize for, for going off on a Cohen thing. I'm not sure when we will be able to get to them again in this sort of oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but before our, our number ones, uh, my uh, honorable mentions, of course, the, the holy action trilogy of, of rock, uh, Con Air and Face Off. Uh, really like those movies. Moonstruck, uh, Joe, Kick-Ass, uh, like Lord of War. Uh, his bad lieutenant movie actually good if, if you've never seen it uh, um, Werner Herzog did um, and uh, also just a tiny shout out to his uh, maybe 10 to 20 seconds of screen time uh, playing Fu Manchu in Rob Zombie's Werewolf Women of the SS in uh, Grindhouse wow. which is just hilarious wow well for um, my- my honorable mentions, I'll go... I, obviously, I mentioned the action movies, and I, I left those out, but they're all honorable mentions. Uh, really, just two more. Lord of War, I love it. That's a really, really yeah. good movie that's a little bit underrated. It hadn't been seen by a lot of people, but worth watching. Totally I think it's worth even, watching. It's funny, because now that guy, the real guy that it's based on, has been in the news a lot with the whole Britney Griner, Russia prisoner exchange thing, so it's a good time to watch that movie again. And then I'll throw out Valley Girl, one of his first movies. Again, oh, comedy. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, sure. Uh, great line in that where he's wearing 3D glasses for no reason. And the, or I guess they're they're in the lobby of a movie theater. And the guy's like, uh, oh, is this movie in 3D? He's like, no, but your face is. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to men- I'm going to, to not mention The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm going to go ahead and not mention <laughs> the film Next. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, uh, <laughs> no, um, I, uh, 
will go ahead and say uh, National Treasure. I fucking love uh, The Rock Face Off. All those things that we said, that sort of type of him is so much fun. But, like, they do all have their flaws and they, they have their own things. Um, and uh, I have to say just again that, yeah, I haven't seen his, like, three most recent. And I really have to because we're in this sort of, like, cage um, and my last one that like weirdly is a one that I've seen a bunch and I think he's really good in is, uh, uh, the family man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like kind of like uh, totally gets forgotten on like on purpose. It's, it's not, it's, un- it's, you know, another time swap, body swap, you know, learn your lesson fucking, um, uh, type movie, but like, he's really good in it. Who, who directed that one? I can't remember. Um, that that movie to me though is sort of in the Matchstick Brett Ratner. Men. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's in the Matchstick Men group of Cage movies where yeah, like it just it came out to not very much fanfare and sort of got overlooked, but pretty good movie. Yeah, I saw it as a kid and it just sort of stuck with me. He's great. T- uh, uh, Tay Leone's great. Don Cheadle's great. Like good movie. <laughs> One movie I just remembered that uh, like the movie is fine, but Cage is really good in it is uh, Gore Verbinski's The Weatherman. Oh yeah, that's sure. That's yes, yep. sure. That's that's a that's um, good cage. He's just he's been in so much shit. Yeah. Um. And I and I don't mean bad. I, he's been in so many things. Like yeah, they're, yeah. They're they're he is still working. He will assumedly be in movies for the next fucking twenty years. He's already been in a hundred and nine movies, and almost all of them are either as because his career started so early. Almost all of them are either as a lead or a co-lead, which is insane. Yeah. Well, in the last decade, it's like he makes like eight Redbox movies every year, but like every three years, he'll st- still come out with a pretty great movie, which is better than a lot of actors. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, let's do let's do numbers as oneses. Yeah, my one my number one was already on someone's list adaptation. Uh, and, and I say that because I think it's actually just Cage's best performance overall. He's pretty fan. You know, I, yeah. I, I think Leaving Las Vegas is a fine movie. I think he's perfectly fine in it. This, is, to me, is really his Academy Award-winning performance, playing dual roles as, like, twins who have vastly different personalities. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll cut off Max and, and change the order, and that's my number one as well. Yeah, yeah. I assumed. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it's a... It's a brilliant i love charlie kaufman but like he's just freaking brilliant in that yeah. movie and he dominates that movie too you know it's uh, chris cooper's great in it meryl streep's great and everything but like it's cage's movie and he just owns it yeah it's my favorite um spike jones it's my favorite charlie kaufman it, it is weirdly rewatchable for a movie that's so kind of tonally all over the place and and just strange but yeah and it's that he he plays twins who obviously you know look look the same but you there's never a question which one is is which he's doing such a, a great job playing each of them yeah yeah it is really strangely rewatchable i've probably watched it four or five times or something which is crazy to think because it that movie's it's like kind of dark and yeah. long and like strange but it's like alluring in a weird way like i'll put it on and just get sucked into it but I also think it's a funny like comment on like Hollywood and writing, which I find funny. Just kind of being in that world, the whole like brother writing the thriller with the, the three is that the yeah, name of the movie? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's yeah, the, I need to rewatch it. 
I think it's the what the more kind of shallow brother who's like having success writing mm-hmm. that that like serial killer screenplay that has the monologue at, at the end about the girl who teased him and well she couldn't take away my love that was still mine to give that's like so sad but so sweet and like one of that's one of Cage's best moments I think ever. Yeah. My number one uh, is the film Moonstruck. There we go. Uh, I love Moonstruck. Um, Not only because he is perfect in it, but Cher is perfect in it, which is so fucking funny to say. Um, It uh, is written by one of my favorite writers of all time, John Patrick Shanley, uh, who also wrote the play and the screenplay for the uh, story Doubt, or Doubt, as I like to call it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he also wrote another one of my favorite movies, uh, Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he also wrote is... wild mountain time. Don't forget about that. Yes. And he wrote wild mountain time. <laughs> uh, he is one of my favorite, uh, writers of all time. He is, he has several plays that are, that are, uh, among some of my favorites, um, including Danny, the deep blue sea and the dreamers, Aaron's pillow, women of Manhattan. But those are all plays. Those are awful people that like plays, he writes dialogue, um, and more specifically, modern American dialogue, better than almost anyone um, living, personally. He, he, he is, that's the reason why Moonstruck feels good, is because they, uh, he, he gives these people something that they want to say. Uh, and I, you feel that through the movie. Even though it is wild and weird and raucous, it feels so natural because um, this is uh, people in love in a city that is captured in this movie fucking perfectly. Um, and uh, uh, it, it feels like you are a, a part of something. Um, I think it's great. I love Moonstruck. Great, great, great movie. Yeah, it's, it's a very good movie. Danny yeah, Aiello also, big shout out to him. He's great in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, crazy. Also, uh, think like shares like nearly twenty years older than Nicolas Cage, um, and which would be the you know the opposite gendered way in every other movie. But it, yeah, not not at all a problem. Totally works in this. It's just it's insane. If you told someone, if you like told someone now, oh by the way, there's this great romantic comedy starring Cher and Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's yeah. from the director of Fiddler on the Roof and In the Heat of the Night. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <right? laughs> oh, and it's from the writer of Doubt, that great <laughs> comedy. Like, everything about it feels like a like a twist or a turn on something else. And it's just so good. Olympia Dukakis as her mom is fucking hysterical. Yeah. Like, like God, that movie's so good. It's so damn good. Oh, and John Mahoney, uh, Frasier, uh, Frasier's yeah. dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, good, nice job. Yeah, great. I love those lists from everyone. I His was really... hard, as we said. He makes so much stuff. He does, yeah. and a lot of it's so good. I know he's he's a he's a laughing, not a laughing stock, but he's a he's a punchline sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as a punchline. But man, he can he can be good when he's used well. Uh, all right, I got my bag of uh, Bond related films. Uh, why don't you pick out the the next one here? Let's do it. Mystery men, mystery men. Oh, Indiana Jones. Oh. I guess that means a city called uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. 
Fine by me. We could record this now. I don't have to rewatch this. <laughs> yeah, movie. yeah, I don't really have to rewatch it. <laughs> I have watched this movie two times a year since I was born. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. Yeah, I, I certainly don't have to, but I, I just got the the 4K set, and I fucking want to. <laughs> I'm going to relish I, it. It's been. Uh, I think the last time I I saw it in in theaters a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I can't. I'm Can't I'm wait. gonna have to I'm gonna have to mention their age difference, otherwise uh, three white men in 2022 should be canceled. But other than that, uh, I'm your uh, goddamn partner, <laughs> Karen Allen and Harrison yeah. Ford. Other than that, well, yeah, I'm your talk- goddamn partner. You're, you're talking about the fictional characters of Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I think you were talking about the actors. Oh no 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 but- no. Oh baby, we'll talk about it in the pod. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> we'll talk about George Lucas's uh, ideas regarding that. But don't you worry, because I'm your goddamn partner. Uh, okay, well, thanks to everyone for listening to that. Uh, check out our social media, uh, rate and review us uh, if you'd care to, and uh, we'll see you very soon for a discussion on 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yay.